Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Michael Fields here with you again on uh, this Wednesday evening. We're getting ready to start our online Bible study, and I'm so glad that you have tuned in with us. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm so grateful to the God, to our God, I should say, for all of his love and his kindness and for his mercy. Um, the Lord has been faithful to us, and I'm so glad. I'm, I'm grateful to the Lord for taking care of me and my family, my wife and daughter, and uh, my mother and sister and brother, just the, the whole field's clan. I'm so glad uh, for God's grace and mercy, and I'm sure that you're glad about how the Lord has been taking care of you. No one can do us like Jesus can. Getting ready to start. Let's go into prayer, shall we? Father, we love you so much, and we're so grateful once again for this opportunity to come to you, to go into your word. Your word is rich. Your word is satisfying. Your word brings healing and deliverance. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for this gathering. We thank you for the fellowship that you're allowing us to have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been in the book of Philippians, and I've been enjoying the lesson we started. Uh, instead of beginning in the beginning of the book, we started at the end of the book, and uh, we dealt with uh, saints in strange places. Uh, I enjoyed that lesson. I'm tempted to teach it all over again. Uh, last week, I believe, we dealt with uh, having the mind of Christ. Uh, and we're moving towards uh, the beginning of the book now. And tonight, I want to talk about the gospel, uh, the gospel, simple and plain, nothing fancy. Um, put it in question form. What are you going to do uh, with the gospel, the gospel? And of course, um, the book of Philippians was written by Pastor Paul and the theme of his writing uh, is joy uh, in living for Christ. And let's do a quick rehash, understanding uh, that Pastor Paul had a very strong bond with this particular congregation. And uh, he talks about him a little bit in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, and he says it like this. I'll read it out of the Message Bible. Uh, Not once during the time I lived among you did anyone have to lift a finger to help me out my needs were always supplied by the Christians from Macedonia. Uh, he says these words, uh, I was careful never to be a burden to you. Um, so he writes bragging about how they took care of him. And then um, he writes in chapter 4, Philippians, verses 15 and 16. He says, now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, uh, he says, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you. Um, he says this word, for even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Uh, so Paul writes, and he's writing, Pastor Paul is writing from a Roman uh, prison. And there are four reasons why he wrote, and we talk about it. Uh, in the previous lessons, but let's, let's rehash it before we actually go into what I want to talk about tonight. 
uh, he's writing, the first reason why he's writing was to thank them for their generosity. They recently had given him a gift. They had helped him uh, out uh, quite a bit. And uh, he thanks them for their recent generous gift of support that was carried to him by Ephroditus. Um, and he says it like this, notwithstanding ye have uh, well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. And he says, even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, uh, but uh, he says, because, uh, but I have all uh, and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And he says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The second reason why he writes this book was also that uh, he wanted to assure the congregation of the triumph of God's purpose in his imprisonment. You know, sometimes when you go through, people get discouraged because they see you suffer. Uh, I dare say there are some who won't come this way of holiness because they feel like uh, we go through enough uh, without the Lord in our life. Why do we need to go over there and go through, but listen, it's better to go through for the cause of Christ uh, because you have Jesus with you. He, he takes you through. Uh, so uh, he says in first chapter of Philippians, he says, but I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. All kinds of things were going on. People were stepping up. Uh, finally, they didn't want to do anything while he was around. But now that he's in prison, folks were stepping up. Uh, and he admitted some were doing it for uh, reasons that might have been a little shady. But... Uh, he says to them, I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that which with rather all boldness is always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. To me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. The third reason why he writes uh, Philippians was to assure uh, people of God that Epaphroditus had completed his charge faithfully. And what happened, uh, we found out through reading the text, understanding that Epaphroditus had taken sick while he was visiting Paul and he had to stay. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was a thing, Paul didn't say this verbatim, but he's, uh, he's pointing to the fact that 
At one point, uh, you couldn't tell who was taking care of who. Uh, but Ephroditus made it through a sickness, and I'm sending him back to you, so I don't want you to think he hasn't completed his task. Uh, and he writes these words in chapter 2, yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor and fellow soldier, and he's your messenger, he that ministered to my wants, for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that he had heard, uh, that ye rather had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again ye may rejoice that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such a reputation because of the work of Christ. He was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service towards me. And so uh, the fourth reason uh, why he writes to the Philippian congregation was to counsel them. Uh, about some church concerns. Of course, that's what Pastor Paul did. Uh, he always dealt with whatever concerns, things that he may have felt in the spirit they needed to hear. Uh, he was a pastor, no matter where he was, whether he was with them or in prison or traveling. Uh, he made it his business to communicate with those he was leading. And uh, he counsels them uh, concerning some concerns, and he wants to exhort them to continue uh, to keep pressing on, uh, which means uh, be determined to continue, be determined to do the work of the Lord because things are not always going to be easy. Just like now, things are not easy. We're, we're going through this uh, pandemic uh, and we are expected, yes, expected to carry on, continue. Uh, don't allow the problem to uh, become an excuse for us not doing what God wants us to do. And he, uh, he was the right one to send that message because we understand all the things Pastor Paul had to go through, uh, yet he continued. Uh, one time, uh, he stands uh, in the midst of his imprisonment and says, I'm not your prisoner. I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he takes that uh, opportunity to preach to the soldiers. He's preaching to the soldiers. He's witnessing all those who are responsible for his imprisonment, and a lot of them were getting saved, getting the Holy Ghost. Could you imagine? Uh, he did not use it as an excuse. He continued. He got in the press, uh, and he wanted us to grow in these areas. Uh-huh. In these areas, unity, Humility, I talked about humility last week. Fellowship and peace. Mm -hmm. Unity, I want you to grow in unity. I want you to grow. You should be, we should be more unified now as a body of Christ than we ever have been before. Trouble should make us come together. Trouble should not make the church separate. We, it is easy to separate. Uh, but we have to endeavor to keep the unity of the body no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening, no matter what, hallelujah, is surrounding us or what the times have brought to us. We have to be strong in 
unity. A house divided against itself cannot stand. So he says, I want you to press on in unity, press on in humility, uh, press on in fellowship and peace. So now let's begin um, what the study is on tonight. And we're going to be talking about the gospel and, and what to do with the gospel. Uh-huh. And um, I'm in Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 for you. Um, open your Bibles with me. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, who all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all. Because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that ye may approve things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So it is significant that the word uh, gospel occurs in this letter. Uh, and when you read this letter, that Paul writes to the Philippians, the word gospel is called out nine times. Uh, and, and let's uh, get into what the gospel is all about. And, and um, we're going to dig a little deeper into, to, and I know you're talking to me already, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, and yes, that's what the gospel is, but I want to dig deep into that tonight. Uh, the gospel, according uh, to John 3.16, and you can quote it, and, and I'll say this is the gospel in miniature, or the gospel uh, summed up uh, in a different way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The gospel defined, hallelujah. And, and the first point I'm making is the gospel is glorious. It's a glorious word. The good news, right? Uh, but let me take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, and Paul uh, defines it for us. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. Keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, 
that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He defined the gospel. It's a glorious word. This is good news. The second thing uh, I want to talk about uh, as it relates to the gospel, the gospel is a precious word. So it's glorious and it is precious. All who are truly saved love God's word. Anyone that truly has the Holy Ghost, they have a love for God's word. How can you say you love the Lord and you don't love his word? Used to be when I first came to D.C., there was a couple that be on the radio. And when they would close out uh, the segment by saying, how much do you love God? He would say and his wife would answer him as much as I love his word. Hallelujah. If you love the Lord, you'll love his word. Uh, so, uh, the negative aspect of this is that the gospel is also hated. Yeah, there are some enemies of the gospel uh, and those who don't like the word of God. They don't like the truth. Uh, and the devil hates it. He hates it like someone would hate poison. And so do those who oppose the gospel. Uh, also, uh, the fourth thing I can tell you about the gospel is that it is also greatly misunderstood. Uh, there are those who uh, confuse the gospel with religion, hallelujah, which means there's a whole lot of stuff uh, that people do in the church religiously that is outside of the word of God. That's another lesson. I'll come back to that one day. Um, the fifth thing is that... Uh, the gospel is a saving word. So uh, it's a glorious word. It's a precious word. It's hated by those who oppose the truth of God. It's misunderstood by those uh, who choose religion over uh, the impactful word of the gospel. Uh, and it's saving. It opens the heart. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it opens the heart. Acts 16 and 14 uh, remember the story, and a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, uh, whose heart the Lord opened. She heard the gospel, and the gospel opened up her heart. Now, I don't know, uh, I know about Lydia's story, but I don't know what kind of character or personality she had. Uh, you know, before I met Christ, my heart was stony. And it takes the word of God that's sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, and it broke up the fallow ground. So it says here, her heart opened. The Lord opened her heart that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Hallelujah. So uh, it's a saving word. It opens up the heart. Uh, it overcomes the powers of darkness. Acts 16 and 18, and this did she many days, but Paul being grieved. Remember the woman uh, that followed him and Silas uh, to the prayer meeting, and he turned and commanded, he said, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out the same hour. So the gospel, uh, it opens the heart, it overcomes the powers of darkness, it awakens, it uh, saves, it transforms. Hallelujah. You remember the story in Acts. I'll stay right there. Chapter 16. Uh, and Paul and Silas were in prison. And suddenly there uh, was a great earthquake. 
Hallelujah. Great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we're all here now. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Uh, the Lord loosed them from prison, and they stayed in the prison. Hallelujah. Now, now this, this is, to me, this is a beautiful part. This is better than them being released. He stays, and he gets a chance to preach the word to the guard that put them in prison. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling. He fell down before Paul and Silas. And brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, here's the jailer that put them in. Was, he was responsible for keeping them in jail. And instead of running out the prison, because everybody was loosed, he could have just left. They stayed there, and he preaches to the jailer. Hallelujah. He preaches to the jailer. And the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved in thy house. Hallelujah. So uh, when God sets you free, it's not just for you. Uh, that man and his house received salvation. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord. And to all that were in his house, they spoke the gospel to not only the jailer, but to everyone that was in his house. They heard the gospel took them, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Wow, and was baptized. He and all his, he and all his straightway, the whole family was baptized. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God, believing in God. And I love this because I've been telling y'all the whole house. Listen to this. Believing in God with all his houses. Reach up and say the whole house. I might go to preaching tonight. The other thing is uh, the word of God is an identifying word. Yes, it's, it's an identifying word. Anyone uh, hallelujah, that knows the gospel who is truly born again, uh, they won't just love the gospel, but you can tell a true child of God. Because the word of God flows out of their mouth. Hallelujah. It flows out of their mouth. So, uh, and it is biblical. It's identifying and it is biblical. The gospel is biblical. So, listen, if somebody comes around you and the gospel never comes out of their mouth, it's, it's never shown in the life that they live. They're living outside of the word of God. Uh, Romans 1 and 1, uh, Paul calls it, and he says, uh, this is the gospel of God. In the Bible, the Bible is talking about the gospel. This is the gospel of God. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of God. Hallelujah. Romans 1 and 16 is called the powerful gospel of Christ. For I'm not ashamed 
of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Hallelujah. The gospel. Hallelujah. The gospel is biblical. Romans 2.16, I'll read to you. This is what Paul says in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now, don't, don't um, be confused uh, when Paul says my gospel. Uh, and there's a reason why he says my gospel when he's talking uh, to the Gentiles. Because back then, uh, there were many who felt like they had a monopoly on, on Christ. And even when you read the book of Acts, you'll understand that there were those who felt in order to become a Christian, you first had to become Jewish and be circumcised. So uh, there were some of the apostles that preached with distinction. Uh, and I say that meaning they preached as if to say uh, perhaps only a certain group of people God would save, but I'm not so sure about you. And when you read the book of Acts, uh, there is a segment of scripture where it says they were astonished because the Gentiles were also receiving the Holy Ghost and getting saved. But Paul, uh, what he preached, it made no distinction between the Jew and the Gentile. You know, Paul was a devout Jew. Uh, and he was astute in, in Judaism, but God saved him, and God made him the apostle to the Gentiles. So he says, listen, if God loves you enough to send his word to you, and, and forgive my, my, uh, my linguistics right now, but he ain't studying the fact that you're not a Jew. He just wants your soul. So uh, all are counted in Unbelief as sinners. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, so he preached grace and truth. Uh, and we're all judged by God. Hallelujah. Without respect of person. Hallelujah. Whether you've been given the law or not. Uh, if he has saved your soul. He has counted you worthy to bring you in. We are all saved by grace. So uh, he said listen to what I'm preaching to you. Uh, during time past, during the early ministry of Jesus, uh, up to his encounter with the Roman uh, Cornelius, there was a distinction always between the Jews and Gentiles. And when you read Peter's writings, you'll understand it. Uh, as a matter of fact, Paul and Peter got into it one day because Paul noticed that, uh, you know, as long as the other Jewish brethren weren't around, you would sit and fraternize with the Gentile brothers but as soon as some of the Jewish brothers came around, you'd get up from the table as if to say, I'm not with them. And he'd be like, man, you got to cut that stuff out. Uh, you know, God saved us. We're all in the family now. Uh, so you shouldn't make distinctions on who's this and who's that. Uh, we, he has saved us all and brought us into the, uh, the Jews had a special spiritual standing with some of them. You know, if you're Jewish, okay. Uh, and the Gentiles did not, and Paul said, we have to stop that stuff. Preach the word to every soul. Preach the word. Tell the gospel to everyone you see. Tell the gospel to everyone that you see. I want to take you to Ephesians 1 and 13. Uh, 
and talk to you a little bit more about the gospel. Uh, it is referred to as the gospel of your salvation, right? And this is another Gentile congregation in whom he also trusted. After that, he heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that, ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. To the Ephesian congregation, he had to remind them that you have been placed and sat down in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Because again, there were those who were of Jewish persuasion who were trying to make them feel you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And the truth is, none of us were good enough to receive salvation. None of us deserved salvation. So Paul calls this the gospel of peace in the sixth chapter of Ephesians. Hallelujah, chapter 6 and verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace to the Corinthian congregation. Again, a Gentile group of people. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Finally, uh, in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John, the last apostle uh, to be alive, he writes and he refers to it as the eternal gospel. Hallelujah. Chapter 14 in the book of Revelation, verse number 6, it says this, and I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, hallelujah, the gospel from the beginning to the end, hallelujah, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Everybody's going to hear the gospel, hallelujah. Everybody's going to hear that gospel. Everybody's going to hear that gospel. It's an eternal gospel. So, um, we understand what the word of God has done to us, the gospel. It has pierced our hearts. It has opened our hearts. It has uh, dealt with the sin within us. It's a glorious word. It's a, Holly, it's a precious word. We understand that some hate the word of God, but I love the word of God. We understand that the gospel has been misunderstood. Some have taken hold of religion rather than the salvation that comes through the gospel. Uh, but it is a saving word. Hallelujah. I know it's a saving word because the word of God came into my life and I'm saved. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete. I'm, I'm saved. So, hallelujah, it opens our hearts. It overcomes the powers of darkness. Uh, it awakens. It saves. The word of God transforms uh, it's an identifier. Those who love the Lord love his word. They won't sugarcoat it. They won't change anything. The word is all I need. I'd rather have his word than anything else. Hallelujah. It's the gospel of God. It's a powerful gospel of Christ. Uh, and Paul said, this is my gospel. He, he starts owning it. This is the only thing I'm going to preach. The gospel of Jesus Christ. No sugar, no water straight word. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That he, he came and he died and he rose again 
and he saved my life. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad for the salvation of God. Now, uh, we know what the gospel has done for us and to us and what the gospel does through us. Uh, what, what are you going to do now? What are you supposed to do with the gospel? Uh, hallelujah. What are we going to do? I'll include everybody. What are we going to do with this gospel? It's an important discussion because so many people have deviated from the gospel. So many people now, uh, they're no longer dealing with the gospel. We're, we're dealing with prosperity. We're dealing uh, with what makes me feel good. We're dealing with humanistic views, new age mentality. We're dealing with um, a whole lot of things, philosophy, uh, a whole lot of stuff that has nothing to do with the gospel. Hallelujah. And because of this, people are building empires. It looks good. It looks impressive, but they're not really building the kingdom. Uh, they're not really building the kingdom. If you're going to build the kingdom of God, it has to be on his word, the gospel, the true, unadulterated word of God. Hallelujah. Anything else, uh, it's a faulty foundation. No matter how pretty it looks, has to be rooted and grounded in God's word. Hallelujah. So the first thing uh, we have to do, uh, and we find that out in verse 5, chapter 1, Philippians. Let's go there. For your fellowship in the gospel. For your fellowship in the gospel. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So first thing is, uh, we have to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a partnership in the gospel. Uh, there's, a, there's a fellowship. There's a partnership in the gospel. Uh, and let me break down the word fellowship. It means that we have a joint participation in all that is common, in a common interest and activity. So in order for us to really fellowship in the gospel, and this is why Paul says you have to, continue and be strengthened in unity because there can't be true fellowship if we're not united as one. Uh, so we share the gospel with one another. We're sharing the gospel with one another. We share the gospel with one another. And of course, we are to share the gospel with those who are lost. I read Philippians 1 and 5, uh, and I'll read it again for your fellowship in the gospel, your fellowship we have things in common. The same God that saved me, saved you. Same God that forgave me of my sins, forgave you of yours. So there should be no indifference between us. No one saying I'm better than you, bigger than you. We all have been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now fellowship in his word. Hallelujah. Grow in his word together. We also share with the lost. First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Hallelujah. If I preach not the gospel, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. So he says, I'm obligated. I got I to tell everybody that doesn't know about Jesus. 
Hallelujah. I've got to share the word of God with them. Take you to Philippians 2 and 22. Hallelujah. Uh, but ye know the proof of him that as a son with the father he have served with me in the gospel. Hallelujah. He's talking about his son in the gospel. If I take you to Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 3 again, he says, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, hallelujah. And let's compare these two scriptures because in one scripture, uh, he's celebrating the fact that he had a son in the gospel who worked with him and shared with him. Now in chapter 4, verse 3, he says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. So he's saying there were women who helped me in the ministry, who helped, uh, and he's not specific in telling what they did. And he said there's a whole lot of others uh, that helped me in the gospel. They spread the word. Hallelujah. They talked about Jesus. And the preacher can't do everything by himself. Uh, the pastor can't do everything by himself. He said there were a whole lot of other people that carried a word, carried a testimony, and they seasoned it with the gospel. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Well, listen, when you tell people about the fact that Jesus died and rose again, he, hallelujah, he's able to wash away your sins, you are ministering the gospel. Hallelujah. So let's consider the ways now that we, that we should share the gospel. And let's consider it. Uh, let's go to verse 3, chapter 1, the book of uh, Philippians. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Uh, so the first thing, the first way that we share the gospel uh, is being thankful for one another. Uh, we're sharing it by being thankful. He, and he's telling them, I thank God upon my remembrance of of you. You're always on my mind. So every time he thinks about uh, those in the congregation, listen, you ought to think about somebody other than yourself. Hallelujah. You ought to think about your brothers and sisters. I know I've been thinking about you all a whole lot during this pandemic. I wonder what the saints are doing. I wonder how they're doing. I'm remembering and I'm thanking God for them. Hallelujah. And we all have faults and we all have situations and problems, but uh, I'm grateful for the people of God. I'm thanking you. And this, this is what true fellowship is all about. When you're, you're thinking about your brothers and sisters and you're not just thinking about them, but you are praying for them. And this is what he says in verse 4. There's a comma uh, after uh, he says remembrance of you, comma, in verse 4. Uh, it really should be one verse. Uh, always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. So he's saying, I'm, I'm praying for you. Uh, you're on my mind, and when you come across my mind, have you ever called one of the saints and said, listen, you've been on my mind, and that's not an avenue or segue into gossip. That should be a segue into prayer. Hallelujah. Not being a busybody in other men's affairs, but if God puts the saints on your mind, hallelujah, give them a call. Say, let's pray. 
Uh, I don't know what's going on, but you've been on my mind. He says, I thank God for the remembrance of you, and you've been in my prayers. I'm always in, hallelujah, in every prayer, I'm praying for the people of God. You all making, and I'm making requests with joy. Now, if you go down to uh, verse 9 and read verse 9 through 11, uh, it tells you about what he prayed. Uh, let's, let's go there. Verse 9, chapter 1 of uh, Philippians. He says, and this I pray. This is what I pray. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the people of God, and I want to tell you what I say to God concerning you. This I pray, that your love may abound yet more, and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve all things that are excellent that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So this is what he prays. In that prayer, it's a short prayer, but it's a powerful prayer. He said, I think about you, and this is a way of spreading the gospel. Uh, I'm praying for you. I want you to know you're on my mind and he prays, and this is what, what's in the prayer. One, that you would be more loving. I'm praying that we would be more loving. There'd be more love shown between us because they'll know that we are his disciples by the love that we show towards one another. Mm -hmm. And that's a way of spreading the gospel. They don't want to, if they don't want to hear you because of how you behave in front of them, then you have sort of killed an opportunity for them to hear what you have to say. People have a tendency not to want to hear what you have to say if they don't like what they see in front of them. That ah, you would be more loving. The second thing in that prayer, verses 9 through 11, that you would be more discerning. Hallelujah. More loving. More discerning. The third thing he mentions in that short prayer is more spiritual. Hallelujah. So I'm praying that there'd be more love. I'm praying that there'd be more discernment. Hallelujah. So you won't be so easily pulled away to be able to stand. You'll know when you hear something, it's not the word of God. You won't be so quick to grab hold to it. Hallelujah. And sometimes the people who are most gullible really have a strong association with people and they're able to pull people into error. He said, no, I'm praying for you that you'd be more loving, more discerning, more spiritual, and more sincere. Hallelujah. More sincere. More sincere. That you may approve things that are excellent. That you may be sincere without offense. Hallelujah. So when you go to people, you'll be real. What they see is what they get. You are a real child of God. So, hallelujah, more loving, more discerning, more spiritual, more sincere, and I'm praying that you'll be more fruitful. Hallelujah. Being filled, that's verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Hallelujah. Which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So here's the list. This is the prayer list. This is what I pray, and you're always on my mind. Hallelujah. He's praying that you, we'd have more love. There'd be more discernment. 
It'd be more spirituality. We'd be more spiritual. And he says to Corinthians, because having a carnal mind is enmity against God. This is why to the Philippian church, and he was there last week, you should have the mind of Christ. I need you all. We need to be more sincere. Hallelujah. More sincere. Hallelujah. People should look at us and we say one thing and they sense that we really mean something else. You don't really care. You don't, you don't really care. Hallelujah. So, and that you would be more fruitful. This is how we should pray for one another. Hallelujah. Straight up prayer. I'm praying that the Lord would strengthen you. Hallelujah. Strengthen you. And you should be praying that prayer for me, Lord. Uh, help him to have more love, more discernment. Hallelujah. Help him to be more spiritual. It's not an indictment. We should want each other to be the best child of God we can be. I want you to be on top. I want you to be powerful. I want you to be a force to be reckoned with. Sometimes we're so sensitive and we take things and hmm, she always saying she praying for me. You ought to be grateful that the mothers are praying, that the saints are praying. Hallelujah. They tapped you on the shoulder and said, baby, I'm praying for you. Paul said, I'm praying for you. Because there's a work that has to be done. Hallelujah. And we all should be praying for one another. Uh, let's go back to verse 4. Because in verse 4 he said, not only am I praying, but I'm making this request with joy. I'm glad to do it. I'm making this request with joy. Hallelujah. When I, I read that over and over again when I was meditating for, for class tonight. Uh, he said, I'm praying with you, and I'm making these requests for you with joy, with joy, with, with joy. And there are four things connected to joy that I, I just want to plant in your heart uh, because we, we should do it with joy, rejoicing. And, re and it's not always a, a feeling, a happy feeling, but we're, we're doing it in spite of. You think I'm happy about being shut in the house? No, but I'm still operating in the joy of the Lord. Uh, there are four things uh, that will help you stay connected. Joy. Now listen, uh, Jesus taught these things. This is, this is something that Jesus taught, uh, that the fullness of joy, that's the phrase he would use, uh, that your joy might be full. I heard John say the same thing, that your joy might be full. Uh, other apostles would say it to their congregation, that your joy might be full. So, and Jesus taught it to them that the fullness of joy was inseparably, inseparably connected to these four things. The first thing, write it down. Uh, it's connected to whether or not I remain in God's word. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I would say um, no word, no joy. No word, no joy. Listen, uh, I, I can make it with no music. I can make it with no music. I love music. David was a songwriter, but listen to what he says. He said, thy word have I hid in my heart. He didn't say music, and he was a singer. He wrote a whole lot of songs. David was a worshiper, twirling around and going down the street, coming down Main Street singing and shouting, but he said, it's your word that I hid in my heart. So if I remain in his word, the second thing, according to the scriptures that we, we pick up 
uh, loving others will keep me connected to this joy, obeying his commands. The first thing is remaining in his word. Second thing is um, loving others. The third thing, obeying his commands. I want to read out of John 15 and 7. It says, if ye abide in me, uh-huh, and I in you, I'll read it again. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. That same chapter, go down to verse 10. He says, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And the fourth thing is being separated from the world. So I have to remain in his word. I have to love other people. I have to obey God's commands, his word. And I have to remain separate from the world. John 17, 13 through 17. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. This is a prayer that Jesus is praying for us. So uh, Jesus prayed for us. Paul prayed for us. Your pastor should pray for the people. We should be praying for one another. But this is what Jesus said, and now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves, fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word. Mm -hmm. So in order for the joy to be fulfilled, I have to remain in his word. I'm in the book. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. Told you the gospel is hated by those uh, who won't, don't want the truth. They oppose it. Uh, and I'll tell you something, some of the people that hate the gospel are right in the sanctuary. They don't, know, they don't really want the gospel. They want other stuff. But this is what Jesus prayed. I have given them thy word, and the world have hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So people that reject the gospel, they don't want the truth. Hallelujah. They don't want the truth. So Paul says, I'm praying, I'm making this request to God with joy. Hallelujah. He was able to do it because he was in God's word. He loved others. He was obeying God's commands. And he was determined to stay separate from the world. So uh, we are to be thankful for one another. We are to be prayerful for one another. And we should pray with joy. And uh, the third aspect of sharing the gospel deals with the fact that we are to be loving to one another. Loving to one another. So I'll retract. Thankful for one another, praying for one another, and showing love towards one another. This is what Paul says in verse 7 of chapter 1 in Philippians. He says it like this. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Listen, you're in my heart in as much Mm -hmm. as both in my bonds and in the defense and 
confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. I'm in jail now, but I'm still confirming the gospel. I'm still defending this gospel. Hallelujah. And I'm doing it because I love you, and I'm praying for you. Uh, this gospel must be spread. So we're to love one another. Listen to these words also in John, the 13th chapter, uh, verses 34 and 35. This is Jesus talking. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Mm -hmm. This is Jesus talking. So uh, we are to love one another. So that's how we share the gospel. Dale, people will look at you. You haven't said anything, but uh, people are watching how we interact with one another. Uh, and uh, because of this, they should want to be around us and hear what we have to say. It's easy. It's easier, I should say, for them to want to hear what you have to say because they are watching you live by the gospel. So we have to share it. The second thing I want to talk about is the fact that not only should we be sharing it, but we are to safeguard. We are to safeguard the gospel. Take you back to verse 7. Uh, he says, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So we are to safeguard it, defending and confirming. Defending, say it with me, we should be defending and confirming. Defending and confirming. In verse 16, uh, he talks about the defense of the gospel. Verse 27, he talks about contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Uh, when you get a chance, go down there. I'll take you uh, to verse 27. He says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And again, when you, you see the word conversation in, in the New Testament, it really in the Greek means behavior. Only let your behavior be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So he says we should, he talks about defending and confirming, uh, defending the gospel. He repeats it in 16th verse. He talks about it again in the 27th verse, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. We should be so closely knitted together that when we walk, it's like one person is walking. We should be so tightly knitted in worship that when we worship, it's like one hand being raised up to God. We're so unified. We should be so unified as a body that when we rebuke the devil, it's like one man standing, and because we're on one accord, we're growing together, we're striving together. There's no division between us and the gospel is being spread. Hallelujah. Not just by what's coming out of our mouth, but by what we are doing. Hallelujah. So, um, because there are enemies of the gospel that we have to safeguard 
against, that we have to safeguard against. Let's talk about the enemies of the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. For the time will come. He said, because there's going to be a time, and this is Paul talking to his son in the gospel. The time will come, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Go to the, I'll take you to the third chapter uh, of that same book, uh, 2 Timothy 3, and uh, I'll read verses 1 through 8. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now, this shouldn't be among us, because he's saying of such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Mm-hmm. And this is Paul uh, instructing his son in the gospel. So he's warning him, you're going to have to deal with this. Uh, the church is going to have to deal with some craziness. Uh, and it's happening back then and it's happening now. You're going to have to, you're going to have to be the church in the midst of people who don't want to be church no more. He don't want to be holy no more. Uh, who's going to stand and tell the truth? Who's going to get in the pulpit and tell the truth? Uh, where's the missionary that's going to stand and say, this is the word of God. This is the truth. He died and rose again. Hallelujah. You must be born again. Uh, but we have enemies. That's why Jude told us, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Because people are straying away they're walking away yes they are they're walking away from the truth so don't be weary in your well-doing for in due season you will reap if you faint not let's go to first thessalonians 2 and 4 but as we were allowed of god to be put in trust with the gospel Hallelujah. When he gives you the word, he's trusting you to hold on to the word and to spread the word. You don't have to be a preacher to tell somebody that Jesus can save you just like he saved me. He died. Hallelujah. And he rose again on the third day. Ah, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God. Hallelujah. The gospel is not about pleasing men. It's about pleasing God, but God which trieth our hearts, right? And we hear so much preaching and teaching, and it deals with us being pleased. Money, hallelujah, prestige, homes, cars, right? Money cometh to me. It has nothing to do with the gospel. Not pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. He trieth our hearts. First Timothy 
111, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed of God, which was committed to my trust. So he, he saves us and he's trusting us with this word, trusting us with this, and we are supposed to spread it, not just by what we say in our mouths, but by how we relate to one another as well. First Timothy 6 and 20. Oh, Timothy, he says, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding, avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. Don't argue with people. Give them the word, you know. Give them the word. Just give them the truth. Just give them the truth. Just give them the truth. So uh, there, were, there was a whole lot of opposition then, just like it is now. People are questioning the validity of what we preach and teach and what we believe, right? And we're living in a time where they took Jesus out of school. They don't want you to mention Jesus on your job, you know? Uh, they're putting the pressure, uh, and it's going to get worse where they're trying to put the pressure. Don't say this. Don't preach against this. We don't want to hear that, right? And it was the same way back then. And they're fighting the, the very foundation of what we preach and teach and believe, right? His virgin birth. Uh, they fight against that. Matthew 8, 1, 18 through 25, right? It tells you in the word of God uh, how he was born. The birth of Jesus was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, they, they try to make us denounce that story. Who ever heard of that virgin birth? Right, And they fight against his life, uh, and he had a virtuous life. John says it in eight, John 8 and 46, which of you convinceth me of sin? Right? They, wanna, they make movies today about Jesus being a homosexual or, or Jesus and Mary Magdalene having an affair. And, uh, uh, but he, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh, but he knew no flesh. He was tempted on every side. But he, and he showed us how to live holy. He didn't do what they said he did, right? But he says, and this is Jesus talking uh, in John, the 8th chapter, the 46th verse. He says, which of you convinceth me of sin? Uh-huh. And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? So they were fighting Jesus. He was standing in front of them and, and trying and even... Even after 40 days of fasting, the devil takes him up into the high place and says, I know you're hungry. Uh, why don't you turn that stone into bread? He says, man shall not live by bread alone. So they try to fight the fact that he lived a virtuous life. Uh, they fight against his death, right? Even today, to this day, uh, they question the integrity of the gospel. Did he really die? No, he didn't. He didn't really die. It's just a fairy tale. Um, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us. Hallelujah. This, this is, Paul gets this revelation. He said, I don't care what you say. I know this thing is for real, and I'm going to tell everybody this. I know you're trying to shut me up. You, you fight against it, and right? You got all of this philosophy, and it sounds good, but uh, it's true what we say about Jesus, uh, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
Hallelujah. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, but he didn't do the other stuff that people did. He didn't do that. He was tempted to do it, but he didn't do it. Uh, and people today are trying to make us uh, give this up and trying to make us feel like it ain't so, but it is so. Uh, and, you know, if they talk about his death, they're going to talk about his resurrection. But Paul says in Romans 1 and 4, and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Hallelujah. He told the Corinthians one day, he said, listen, if there's no resurrection, then I need to close this book. Hallelujah. If Christ didn't get up, then there's no reason, there's no sense in us singing, hallelujah, about the victorious Savior. There's no, there's no sense in me preaching this word anymore, hallelujah. But I know it's true because he's living on the inside of me. He got up, hallelujah. I know it's not Easter, but I feel like singing, hallelujah. God's not dead. He's yet alive. I can feel him in my hands. I can Feel him in my feet. He, I can feel him all over me. So uh, they, they want us to give up what we believe and what we teach and what we say. And a lot of, I'm sorry to say, a lot of preachers don't deal with the gospel, the foundation of the gospel. Everything is about pleasing your, about pleasing your flesh. Uh, and they even fight against the fact that we say Jesus is coming back again, Right? Uh, and, and Paul got the revelation, but John says it like this. I love the way John says it uh, in Revelation uh, chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Hallelujah. And they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Now, I know he's coming back for the church, but he's going to show up. In such a way, again, when he brings us with him, he says he's going to stand in the clouds and everybody's going to see him. Yes, and they that pierced him in his side. Hallelujah. He's going to wake them up so they can take a good look at him. The soldier that pierced him in the side. He said also which pierced him in all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Hallelujah, Paul said it like this, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah, that was, now that was John writing, but hallelujah, Jesus interrupts and says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I love the word of God. I mean, I love it. I'm getting excited all in my spirit. So uh, we are uh, to share the gospel. We are to spread the gospel. Hallelujah. We are to spread the gospel. Uh, Philippians 1 and 12 says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of of the gospel. He said, yes, I'm in prison, but there's a reason for this. So don't get upset about what I'm going through because where I am, I'm getting ready to witness to some people that didn't hear the word before. And some of you are complaining, right, about where you are. I'm stuck in this house. Hallelujah. Look around and see who you stuck in there with. 
uh, because God has you in there perhaps so you can start spreading the gospel. They won't come to church. They won't pay attention in church. And there you are sitting with them. Talk to them about Jesus. Tell them that Jesus died and rose again for their justification. That's what Paul said. Oh, yeah, y'all are upset about me being in jail, but the gospel is getting ready to be spread. I'm getting ready to tell somebody about, even if you live by yourself, pick up that phone and call your daughter. I haven't spoken to her in a while. Maybe you need the Holy Ghost. You need to, you, come on, it's time to spread this thing, right? And use your life in this example. I've lived for God for years. You've watched me talk that talk, spread the word. Uh, so we had to spread the gospel. This is in the 12th verse. Uh, Paul is saying, beloved, I would that you'd understand that the things which happened to me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So uh, he's the surest way to counteract error is to spread the truth. The only way to straighten out the, the error is to tell the truth. How? By you could preach it, you could teach it, you can testify about it, spread the gospel. The only way. I know we're in a in a tight position, but start opening that mouth, not to complain, but to tell people about the love. I know they're gonna say, uh, "Grandma, I heard that before. I'm so tired. I don't want to hear that. Say it anyway." Spread the word. God has us sitting still for a reason, and sitting still doesn't mean I'm stagnant. I'm shut in, but I'm not stagnant. I'm going to preach that. I'm shut in, but I'm not stagnant. I can still open my mouth. That's what Paul was saying. Yes, I'm in prison, but I'm not stagnant. The gospel is getting ready. Somebody's going to get delivered. God can still use me right where I am. Hallelujah. It was commanded. It was commanded, Matthew 28 and 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Right? And it was illustrated in Acts 8 and 4. Uh, of course, I should take you to Acts 2 and 38 first. Uh, it was illustrated. They, they did what Jesus commanded them to do. What must we do to be saved? Repent and be baptized. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. For the remission of your sin, then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to take you to uh, Acts 8 and 4. It says, therefore, they that were scattered abroad, right? Because after Pentecost, uh, they sat in the house. They wouldn't do what Jesus told them. I'm saving you so you can be witnesses, so you can tell people this gospel, right? And listen. There was 120 in the upper room. They was not all preachers. Tell people that I saved. Tell them that I delivered. Tell them the gospel. Uh-huh. I feel y'all, some of y'all tightening up on me because everything you want, everything you do has to be attached to a title. And the only title that's really important is, is Savior. He's the Savior of my soul because there's a whole lot of preachers that still need salvation. Got the title, but you don't have salvation. And perhaps it's because the gospel is not there. The gospel brings salvation. Hallelujah. They were scattered abroad. They went everywhere preaching the word. 
Philippians 1 and 12, the gospel is spread by our favorable reaction to the things that happen to us. He's in jail. Why is he in jail? Because he won't stop preaching the gospel. But his reaction was not to complain and to murmur and to yell and to curse people out. No, he gets to work and he's telling everybody that's around him, right? The mailman, do you know Jesus? UPS man, do you know Jesus? Right? Pep cold. Do you know Jesus? He was telling everybody about Jesus. And folks, I'm sure there were those who, some that rejected, but people were getting saved. What I read out of, of Acts 16 proves he's talking to that he stays in jail. The gates open and he stays there until the jailer comes and he preaches the gospel to the jailer and the jailer brings Paul to his house and the whole house is baptized. Here's the gospel. So stop complaining about where you are. Open your mouth and talk about Jesus. Gospel is spread by your favorable reaction to the things that happen to you, especially those things that test you. I don't like where I am, but I'm not going to stop praising God. When people see me, they're not going to see me complaining and fretting and living in fear. I'm going to magnify God. Remember? Let's go back there. Remember Acts, the 16th chapter, verses 22 through 25, when Paul and Silas, they did three things. They did three things, right? Let me read it again. 22 through 25, the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. The same jailer that threw them, he didn't just put them in jail, he threw them underneath the jail. Yeah, and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Three things they did. They prayed, they worshiped, and they sang. They prayed. They worshiped and they sang. And I know some of you think singing is worship, but there are a whole lot of people singing and they're not really worshiping God. They did these three things. They prayed. They started worshiping. And then they started singing unto the Lord. And the prisoners heard them. Now, this is powerful. And I know we know this story upside down, backwards and forward. But we always tend to miss the fact because we always stay where they sang praises and hallelujah, all the chains fell off and the gates were open and everybody was set free. But the, the real powerful thing was the prisoners heard them. There are people watching you suffer. There are people watching us go through this pandemic. Let me pull the mic closer. There's people watching us go through this pandemic. There are people watching us and listening to us. The people heard them. What if they heard Paul and Silas grumbling and complaining? I'm sick of this. 
I don't know why God would do this. Da, 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 da. What if God heard them grumbling? I'm sorry, the people, the prisoners in jail heard them grumbling. What if they started cursing and carrying on? I'm sick of this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. I'm not going to serve God no more. You know how some of us, we don't care who hears us. The Bible says, and the prisoners heard them. And I thank God they did not complain. They did not grumble. They were not growling and fussing about their situation. The prisoners heard them. We got to be careful if we're going to be examples, hallelujah, for the word of God, examples concerning his love, examples concerning his holiness, examples concerning faith in God. We have to remember that people are watching and listening to the things that are coming out of our mouth. Yeah, the prisoners heard them. Wow. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I read that for a reason, because Paul, Paul went to the Lord several times about a situation, and God told him, my grace is sufficient. And he didn't start yelling and screaming at God. No, he continued, and this is what the church has to do. We have to continue doing what we're supposed to do. Continue spreading the word. Continue to live the word. And that's the last point, because we are, we are told that we are supposed to share the gospel. We're supposed to safeguard the gospel. We're supposed to spread the gospel, right? Share the gospel between my brothers and sisters, gospel, how God did it for me. We're supposed to spread the gospel. Hallelujah. Telling others that don't, they don't know uh, about this Jesus. They don't have salvation. And we are supposed to show, show the gospel. Philippians 1 and 27 makes that clear. Only let your conversation, and I told you about conversation in the New Testament, it really means behavior. Only let your behavior be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. Whether I'm, I'm with you in church or here I'm in prison, the word circulates. I'm hearing, I'll hear about your affairs. And I've been hearing that you stand fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. By the way, we told you in the other lesson, Epaphroditus was bringing the word to Paul, telling him how they're doing. But this verse makes it clear we are to conduct ourselves, that is, behave ourselves in a matter which is worthy of the gospel. We can't say one thing and live contrary to what we're saying. We can't say talk about the peace of God and every time people see us we're pulling out our hair oh what am I going to do no we believe this gospel we believe this word be ye steadfast and unmovable so we're supposed to conduct ourselves and behave in a manner that is worthy of the gospel so if I if I take you to Philippians we did Philippians 1 and 27 Let's go to Philippians 2 and 15. It says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. And listen to how he says it. 
I want you to live in such a way where people won't be able to point the fingers and say, I thought she was saved. I thought she believed in God. Because remember, the prisoners are listening to you. There are people living in sin and in bondage. And they're listening and watching how you respond to everyday life. And Paul is saying that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. In the middle of all this mess, we are still supposed to be the people of God with a message that Jesus saves. He says it like this, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. In the middle of all this darkness, we're supposed to be shining lights, spreading it around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I felt that in my big toe. Yes. So, I'm getting ready to close out. Does our behavior correspond with the gospel? Does our behavior correspond with the gospel? Is my faith working? Because James said, even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead. Right? And Paul told Titus in chapter 2, verse 10, not prolonging, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior in all things. That's a powerful, powerful verse. And, and that prolonging, that word simply means not, not being a fake uh, and an off offensive, not, not, but being a real child of God. That's what he's telling Titus. Don't, don't be a fake or phony, but show good fidelity that the people that are hearing and watching you, they'll, they'll adorn the doctrine of God. They'll want to live the way that you live. Yeah. Adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. So here we go, and I'm closing out with this. Closing out with this. The secret of being able to share the gospel, to safeguard the gospel, to spread the gospel, Paul gave it to us in chapter 2 of Philippians, uh -huh, the 13th verse. He says, uh, for it is God that works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We were right there last week, right in that verse for a while. And we closed out, I think, with this verse. He said it all comes back to the Holy Ghost working in you, you know, because let's be honest, flesh, flesh don't want you to stay in his word. Flesh don't want you to love everybody. And the truth is, uh, when we get mixed up in different personalities, you, you some folks really can't stand each other. Uh -huh. uh, and the truth is, both of them are messy. It takes two people to agree and two people to disagree. So you got to let the Holy Ghost work in you. The Holy Ghost will lead you to the word. The Holy Ghost will provoke you to live according to the word. The Holy Ghost will stimulate joy in you. The Holy Ghost. For it is God working in you both to will and to do his good 
pleasure. So here's the choice. And I wrote this in my notes. I didn't type it. I wrote it down before I came out here and sat down. Uh, we can either advance the gospel or retard it or, you know, just just sit down and do, don't do anything. Just, just sit around. What do folks do that don't want to do live according to the word of God? What, how does the church function? How do the people of God that don't want to live his word? Well, perhaps they're not really people of God. They just want to be church people. Church people. So you know what just dropped in my mind? There's a difference between being church people and God's people. Wow. I might teach that next week. The difference between being church people. Church people is all about people and what they want and pleasing people. But God's people is all about what God wants. He wants to save. He wants to deliver. He wants us to be prepared and ready. He wants us, yes, to prosper, but even as our soul prospers. So we can advance it or we can retard it. We can we can make a mess of things, but people won't want to follow us anywhere. We have to decide. We have to decide whether we're going to spread it or whether we're going to just be church people. I'm going to stop here. Uh, I'm not done. I really feel like running on, but I've been on this line for a long time, and I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. Uh, spending this time with me. Father, we love you so much and we thank you. We want to thank you for saving our souls and we want to thank you for the gospel, for the word of God. Because of your word, Father, we, we gave up to you. We surrendered to you. We heard the word. We heard the truth. Because of that, we are saved today and we want to stay this way. We want to grow in you and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We want to be ready when you come. Hallelujah. And we want others to know you like we know you. Help us, even during this pandemic, to be effective in winning souls. Start the revival in our homes, with our children, with our loved ones. Hallelujah. Save, Father. Help us not be, to not be afraid and be like your servant Paul and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where is the power of God unto salvation? Bless us and strengthen us, O oh God, that we'll continue to fulfill your will because the prisoners are listening to us. Let them hear us praise you. Let them hear us worship you. Let them hear us pray to you. Hallelujah. And let them see that you're a deliverer. Oh God, I feel your spirit even now. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done and all that you're about to do. Bless all that are hearing and watching me now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Lord bless you tonight. If you want to make a donation or uh, if you want to pay your tithes or send an offering, you may do so. Uh, Brother Wallace will put that on the screen for you. You can go directly to our website and tap on giving, and you can give that way. If you're in the Bronx, uh, people of God at Refuge Temple Lanix, you may use Givelify. Hallelujah. Lord bless you. The Lord keep you on tonight until we meet again next week. Be safe. Um, hallelujah. And spread this gospel. God bless you.